Ministers who gratify men's lusts better receive the sermon by Jonathan Edwards. If a man walking in the spirit and falsehood do lie, saying, I will prophesy unto thee of wine and of strong drink, he shall even be the prophet of this people. Micah 2 verse 11. We have an account in the sixth verse of the people treated the true prophets. They rejected them and disliked their prophecies. Prophesy ye not, say they to them that prophesy. They disliked the prophecies of them that God sent to them, because they reproved them for their sins, and discountenanced their corruptions, and denounced God's judgment for their iniquity. They hated the prophecies, because they were against their sins. If they had behaved themselves as they ought to do, the word of God would not have been against them. As tis said in the seventh verse, Do not my words do good to him that walketh uprightly. In the text it is declared what kind of prophets would suit him, namely one that walking in the spirit and falsehood lied, saying, I will prophesy unto thee of wine and of strong drink. Such a prophet as this would be well received and entertained by the people, and be such an one as they would like. They did not like a prophet that always kept reproving of them for their sins, contradicting their lusts, and would not allow them to gratify their sensual appetites, nor let them have the peaceable enjoyment of their sinful pleasures. But if there should come a prophet among them, walking in the spirit of falsehood, and should prophesy to them of wine and strong drink, that would fall in with their corruptions and flatter them in their sinful inclinations, that instead of prophesying of God's judgments for their sins, should foretell sinful pleasures and prophesy of the gratification of their lust, this would be the prophet that would suit them. The children of Israel had both these kinds of prophets among them. They had true prophets that reproved them for their sins and denounced against them God's wrath. In case they did not repent, those they hated and persecuted, they had false prophets that always flattered them in their sins. These were always well entertained and caressed by them. Isaiah 30 verses 9 and 10. This is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, see not, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits. Doctrine. If the business of ministers was a further gratification of men's lusts, they would be much better received by many than they now are. As particularly, number one, if ministers were sent to tell the people that they might gratify their lusts without danger, if they were sent to tell them that it was lawful for them to gratify their lusts, if they came from God with that message that men might freely use strong drink when they had a strong appetite to it, or that it was lawful for persons to give a lease to the lusts of uncleanness, and they might allow of unclean practices and might freely enjoy their lascivious pleasures, how eagerly would they be listened to by some and what good attention would they give? So if they were sent to declare that it was lawful for men when they had opportunity to overreach their neighbors and their bargains, or that it was lawful for men to take revenge upon their enemies, 
that it was lawful for them to talk against and reproach and revile them that they did not like, they would be much better received than they are now. Or if they were sent to tell them that such things were but little sins, that God did not look upon them as very heinous, nor was much provoked by them. If they were sent to tell men that the punishment of such sins was not very great, that it was such as they might well enough endure, or that the punishment was but temporary and not eternal. Or if they were sent to tell them that if men did gratify their lusts, there was no danger, but that they might easily obtain pardon and forgiveness, that God would be easily moved and persuaded to forgive them if they asked for it, though they gave themselves never so full swing in gratifying their sinful lusts. Or if ministers were sent to tell men that God was such a God that he could not have the heart to take men and cast them into eternal burnings, if they did earnestly beg of him to spare them, that though they spend all their lives in drunkenness or lasciviousness or cheating and fraud, yet if they did but seem to be sorry for it and send up a few earnest cries to God upon a deathbed, there would be no danger, but that God might be one and his heart drawn to forgive them, they would be much better received by many than they are now. If ministers were sent to tell men that there was nevertheless danger of a man's being converted for as long allowing himself in willful sin, that men that give a lease to their lusts under the greatest light and most solemn warnings were as likely to be converted and have repentance given to them as the most strict and conscientious livers, and that there was no danger of provoking God to give them up to hardness of heart, and that great sinners, the most daring and presumptuous sinners, did as ordinarily go to heaven as others. I say if ministers were sent with such messages as these, they would be much better received by many than they are now, they would give more heed to what they said and would like it better, would be abundantly more pleased and taken with it. They would lay it up in their hearts. If the gospel that ministers preach was full of such tidings as these, it would be accounted more worthy of the name of gospel or glad tidings than it is now. Now they hear of the gospel's being glorious, but they can see no glory in it but then it would appear ten times more glorious a gospel than it does now. Number two. If ministers were sent to offer men a savior that countenanced and encouraged men's lusts, if ministers were sent to tell the people that Christ out of love to men was desirous that they should have more liberty to enjoy their sinful pleasures, that he came into the world for that end, to lay down his life to purchase for men a dispensation for sinning, and an indulgence that they might gratify their strong and violent evil appetites with importunity, and that God would not be angry with them for so doing, nor punish them for it, he would appear to them then a thousand times as glorious a Savior as he does now. They would then receive him gladly." Ministers need not stand calling and inviting sinners to come to Christ so long in vain. There would be multitudes flocking to such a Christ as this. They can embrace such a Savior as this with all their hearts. Where there is one now that comes to Christ, there would be an hundred 
they would not need to have the ministers to spend so much breath to set forth the beauty and excellency of Christ and the necessity of him and the excellency of the way of salvation and urging and entreating men to close with Christ. No, but they would fall in with the proposal at the first word. Or if ministers were sent to offer Christ only in one of his offices and not in others, if they were to preach Christ only in his priestly office and as a savior from the punishment of sin and not also in his kingly office as a savior from the power and dominion of sin and from the being under a Lord to rule in us and over us, they would by many be much better received than they are now. That would be mighty pleasing to men to be saved from the punishment of sin and yet not severed from sin but to be allowed to enjoy it and practice it still. They would like a Savior that would save them in their sins much better than a Savior to save them from their sins. Number three. If ministers were sent to direct men how they might fulfill their lusts, they would be much better received by men than they are now. For instance, if ministers were sent to direct people how they might gratify their covetousness, and to tell them of means by which they might grow rich and get abundance of the world, they would be a great deal better received and hearkened to than they are now. They would listen to such directions as those with much greater diligence than they do when a minister directs them how they may get heaven and may obtain everlasting riches. There are many that while the minister is giving rules how men may obtain eternal life, they commonly have their thoughts in the meantime off from what is said in the ends of the earth, thinking of other things quite remote from the business, not regarding and many times not knowing what the minister preaches. But if the minister was sent to tell them how to get estates, they would hear in mind every word that was said. There are many that sleep now that would hold up their heads then and would keep their eyes fixed on a minister's eyes and their hearts intent on what he delivered. There would not be such an appearance of men's laying down their heads upon their scalp as though they would purposely compose themselves to sleep. If ministers were sent from God to tell men how they might probably get great estates, though the means were not at all more probable than the means that they now direct to for obtaining heaven, yet many would be a great deal more ready to put the directions in practice. Though there was not an absolute certainty, but only as great a probability of success as there is of the diligent use of means of grace for obtaining heaven, yet they would mind what the minister said a great deal more and would be more careful to remember it, would not be half so apt to forget it, and would be abundantly more careful to practice their directions in their lives. They would not be half so apt to raise objections against them. They would not object that it was not certain that they should succeed if they did follow the directions. But if there was a probability of their growing rich by it, they would be willing to run the venture. If ministers were sent from God to tell people how they might lay up for children and provide good portions, their word would be more heeded and more practiced than when they tell them how they may educate and bring up their children so as very probably to be a means of their eternal salvation and of their being rich and happy forever in heaven. So if ministers were sent to tell men how they might gratify their pride, how they might obtain honor and advancement among men, 
how they might get above such and such of their neighbors, that they now with an evil eye see to be above them, this would be more pleasing to them by far than to have ministers tell them how they may become the children of God, and may hereafter sit with Christ on thrones and be crowned with glory. If some persons could learn by ministers how to get fine clothes so as to make a finer show than their fellows, they would hear with greater pleasure and a greater disposition of practice, and when the minister tells them how they may be clothed with the righteousness of Christ, and may have the ornaments of the graces of God's Spirit, and may hereafter come to shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of God. So if ministers were sent to direct persons how they might gratify their envy, how they might bring it to pass that this and the other person that is God above them might be pulled down and be brought into meaner and more depressed circumstances, and how they might be exalted above him, so that they might have opportunity of vaunting over them and give them the mortification of seeing them above them and getting their wills of them, or how they might come up with these and those that have offended them that are of a contrary party and don't seek their interest, be not their friends, but hate and despise them, they would be much better received by many than they are now. Men would keep awake to hear such things. Their attention would be more engaged, and their practice a great deal more conformable than now it is. Men that often stay at home, as there are some such amongst us, would probably come more steadily to meeting to hear such things, whereby they might gratify their lust and advance in worldly interest. Number four. Some would like ministers better if they would countenance their scandalous indulgences of their lusts than to fulfill the rules of Christ with regard to them. They would like it much better to have their wickedness winked at and approved than to have the minister fulfill the rule in openly reproving and rebuking such practices, exercising discipline for the reforming and humbling them, and bearing testimony against such things. Number five, if ministers were sent to offer men a carnal and sensual heaven, they would be much better received by many than they are. It is a dull story to men to tell them of pure spiritual pleasures, of holy delights, of seeing and enjoying God, of enjoying communion with Christ, of spending an eternity in serving and praising God and the Lamb. They don't understand these things. They have no taste or relish of them. They have no appetite to such a kind of happiness. It would please them a great deal better if ministers were sent to offer to them such a paradise as the Mohammedans expect, a heaven of carnal delight where they shall eat and drink and have all the sensual pleasures that they can wish for. This would be mighty pleasing to many, even that lull and sleep all the glory is offered that Christ has purchased with his precious blood. They would much better prefer the gratification of their lusts to God and Christ with all their glory and perfection in the full and perfect enjoyment of them. Here in this world men can't gratify their lusts without much interruption and molestation. They are molested by an accusing conscience, and they are molested with many evils and inconveniences that essential, luxurious life brings, such as weakness and diseases of body and shame and disgrace among men, and many other things. 
But if they had the news sent to them of essential paradise hereafter, where they could gratify all their lusts as much as they would without any molestation or ally at all, this would be accounted worthy in hundred such heavens as the Bible tells of. Application number one. The first use may be of self-examination. Inquire whether it be not so with you as you have heard, whether you are not one that would be more pleased if ministers were sent to declare to men that it was lawful for them to gratify these and those sensual and vicious appetites, or that they might take the liberty without much endangering their souls by it. If the minister was sent to reveal to you that Christ had died, would not you be more pleased and give better attention and be more careful to remember and practice what you heard? If the minister was sent to direct you how to fulfill your lusts, would not essential heaven and paradise of carnal delights be more pleasing to you? There is need that you should be very strict in this inquiry in order to know your own heart as there is in all other self-examinations about the prevailing temper and disposition of our own souls. Tis to be feared there are many now, they hear the thing proposed, that are ready to clear themselves and to say, no, they are not of that number, that indeed are not clear. Therefore enter a little more carefully and strictly into this inquiry, and particularly inquire, number one, how it is you receive ministers with a message, that they do bring to you in the name of the Lord. How do you attend to them in their declaring their message? Are you one that is wont to give diligent attention, or are you one whose manner is to sit under the preaching of the word in a careless manner, little regarding what is said, that makes no conscience of sleeping? You be not intent on what is preached, but do allow yourself to spend great part of the time in thinking of other things, that have no relation to the minister's discourse? Are you not one that allows yourself in sleeping while the minister is preaching the word of God? Is the gospel that is preached to you pleasant and acceptable to you, or is it a dull story and a dead letter? Do you have an enmity against the gospel for that reason, because it reproves or condemns your lusts? When you hear, do you hear with a design to practice, and are you actually careful to keep in mind what you hear and to put it in practice? Or are you one that does but give the minister the hearing and go away and think no more of it and give no more heed to it? Number two, inquire, how has it been with you when you have been hearing other things that tended to gratify your carnal inclinations? By this you have something of a trial whether you are one of them that the doctrine speaks of or not. Though ministers be not sent to promote the gratification of your lusts, so that you have no trial that way, yet you hear many things in your conversations among men that promotes them. If you are better entertained and pleased with what you hear from others of this nature than with the word of God, you may thereby judge how you would receive ministers if they were sent with a like message. How is it when you hear an impure story or lascivious song? Don't you listen more to it? Give better attention and hear with more pleasure than when you are hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ preached? Is not your attention more engaged and are you not better suited when you are hearing talk that tends to gratify your covetousness? When you hear any talking about the market, about land or cattle or bargains that have been made and such like things.
Aren't you more in your element when you sit talking of such things than when you are hearing of God and Christ and heaven and the glorious benefits of the gospel? And how is it when you hear talk that tends to gratify your pride and your envy and ill will, when you sit and hear such and such persons reproached and run down and ridiculed? Aren't you more entertained and don't the times pass away more pleasantly than when you hear the glorious things of the gospel preached? Some persons seem never to be better suited and entertained than with such conversation that is taken up in talking against others. Application number two is of reproof. If you are one of those spoken of in the text, that if ministers were sent to you to further gratify your lusts, you would much better receive them, then consider the following things. Number one, what horrid contempt you cast on God and Christ in heaven, and that you should prefer the gratification of your vile lusts before them that you would be more pleased and entertained and give better attention to hear that by which your lusts might be gratified than that by which you may obtain an interest in Christ and his precious blood and glorious benefits and may have God for your portion that to have all the glories and perfections of God and a Redeemer set before you is not so pleasing and entertaining to you as to hear of the objects of a carnal appetite that worldly pleasure or sensual pleasure or the gratification of your envy and revenge is better to you than heaven. Who can express how wickedly you act in this despising the infinite majesty and glory and mercy of God in Christ, the Son of God, and his precious blood? How greatly have you reason to conclude God is provoked by you? Number two. Consider how sottishly and unreasonably you act in this, preferring the gratification of your lusts to eternal happiness in heaven, that you are more willing to listen and hearken and put in practice what you hear, that you may get a little worldly gain or gratify a carnal appetite, than when you hear of being saved and brought to the enjoyment of God in Christ forever. Number three, consider how justly it may be so ordered that you never should get any good by the word of God preached, that you should so despise, seeing you receive it no better, give no more heed to it, take more delight in it. How justly might it be so ordered that it should never do you any good or be any means of spiritual benefit to you, but that seeing you should see not and hearing you should hear not, and that it should only be a means to harden you and enhance your guilt and your condemnation another day. How justly may God leave you to your lusts that you set so much by. How justly may he leave you to have your portion in them, denying heaven to you that you have so low an esteem of. Number four. How grievous it may justly be to any faithful minister of Christ when men no more regard. What an encouragement would it be to a minister that labors to find out acceptable words and does what in him lies to speak so as to influence and affect his hearers, to see them attentive, willing to hear and learn, accepting of what he delivers with due concern to practice the same. But how grievous may it well be when a minister does his utmost to see a congregation seeming to be regardless of what he says, and many of them sleep in a great part of the time, and others plainly manifesting a careless, regardless spirit, 
with what a complaint may such ministers that have been so treated rise up in the day of judgment before their master that sent them and set them to work, declaring what pains they took and how they labored to their utmost, speaking so as to influence and affect their minds, and yet how regardless they were of the message they delivered. End of sermon by Jonathan Edwards. Stillwater's Revival Books is now located at PuritanDownloads.com. It's your worldwide online Reformation home for the very best in free and discounted classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, MP3s, and videos. For much more information on the Puritans and Reformers, including the best free and discounted classic and contemporary books, MP3s, digital downloads, and videos, please visit Stillwater's Revival Books at PuritanDownloads.com. Stillwater's Revival Books also publishes the Puritan Hard Drive, the most powerful and practical Christian study tool ever produced. All thanks and glory be to the mercy, grace, and love of the Lord Jesus Christ for this remarkable and wonderful new Christian study tool. The Puritan Hard Drive contains over 12,500 of the best Reformation books, MP3s, and videos ever gathered onto one portable Christian study tool. An extraordinary collection of Puritan, Protestant, Calvinistic, Presbyterian, Covenanter, and Reformed Baptist resources. It's fully upgradable and it's small enough to fit in your pocket. The Puritan hard drive combines an embedded database containing many millions of records with the most amazing and extraordinary custom Christian search and research software ever created. The Puritan hard drive has been produced to assist you in the fascinating and exhilarating spiritual, intellectual, familial, ecclesiastical, and societal adventure that is living the Christian life. It has been specifically designed so that you might more faithfully know, serve, and love the Lord Jesus Christ, as well as to help you to do all you can to bring glory to His great name. If you want to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, then the Puritan hard drive is for you. Visit PuritanDownloads.com today for much more information on the Puritan hard drive and to take advantage of all the free and discounted Reformation and Puritan books, MP3s, and videos that we offer at Stillwater's Revival Books.